Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Cataloging Cocktails, and uh, it's Wednesday, middle of the week. Uh, my, my favorite time of the week because we get to kind of do a quick pause and see how things are going. How are you doing, Tim? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing, Juan? Happy, Great. happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's always, weeks go by so quickly. So here we are. Yeah. Um, and uh, everyone uh, who's new to cataloging cocktails, we always get together. We talk about data. Uh, we uh, bring our favorite beverage. Uh, definitely feel free to hop in the chat and let us know what your favorite beverage is and uh, what uh, what you're drinking right now. And uh, we actually have a, a special guest today, um, Anoop. Thank you for, for joining us. Um, we're really excited to have you here and talk a little bit more about uh, data governance. And uh, I think we've got some interesting topics queued up. Um, maybe you want to introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about your background. I, I think that you know, data.world has some some history with you, but you have a very unique and interesting background. Yes. Uh, hi, guys, and thanks for having me. I'm super stoked, and by the way, my choice of beverage is matcha tea, right? I mean, it's 2 o'clock in California. It's a little too early <laughs> to start hitting the heavy stuff, but so this matcha tea is, you know, we, we're hooked onto it. It's, it's fascinating. It's supposed to have more ox antioxidants than... Uh, blueberries and you know more chlorophyll than anything so you know I, hey i love it so so for uh, you know you guys know me i'm anup lala you know i've been doing data and analytics for longer than i'd like to admit right i started with the un uh, early on in in the mid 90s i used to be part of unicef um, in new york and uh, i used to you know be the team that measures humanitarian metrics for the un which is looking at infant mortality, looking at uh, uh, effectiveness of vaccinations, effective, effectiveness of uh, uh, you know advocacy towards UN programs. And by virtue of that, I got to go to places you wouldn't go to otherwise, like Bangladesh and Ivory Coast and Ghana and some, some fascinating places. And then I did consulting for a while, then I was with GE for a while. And then I was with VMware uh, for a while. And then, you know, I was with Workday most recently till about a couple of months back. And that's where I came across the data.world folks because Workday Ventures has invested in data.world. And, you know, so I've, I've spent a lifetime figuring out how organizations don't torture data till it confesses, right? There's a better way to do this. So I would love to talk about governance and, you know, governance in, Governance, as as it is, you know, you know, it, it, you know, depending on the time of the day and the phase of yeah. the moon, it, it gets a good vibe or a bad vibe, right? And especially in the post-pandemic future, governance is going to be the differentiating factor for organizations to get higher levels of trust and transparency and all the good stuff we talk about. So, you know, that's that's a little bit about me, and you know, I'm eager to get started. And you know, we've got a whole bunch of people joining. Yeah, no, this is great. This, this is this is really cool. And, and so, hey, on the chat, uh, just tell us where you're from. Uh, what are you drinking or eating? Uh, uh, apple and peanut butter. That's cool. <laughs> so, um, so uh, what are you drinking, Tim? Or, or you know, I was gonna make myself a margarita, but I was rolling off another meeting so fast that I ended up just grabbing a little bit of whiskey. So I'm I'm drinking some uh, some Four Roses right now, which is pretty good. It's uh, not too that's, expensive. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm just, I made myself a, a, 
a, a little uh, vodka martini with the with the twist of a of an orange in it. But so now that we have our drink, let's. So I, I met I, I I was chatting with Anoop uh, recently and also with Tim, and I think this whole like, this whole topic of data governance, right? That's something that we've been kind of leading into a lot, right? We've talked about the different personas within an organization and, and different features that data catalog should have. We talked about lineage, last time we talked about policy. And then there's this whole topic now of, I mean, data governance is a big thing, but we're also kind of going through this whole COVID, uh, not just like the data that be, that's being produced in COVID, but just how that's actually changing our way of thinking, our way of managing uh, just our day-to-day, -day, not our not just our lives, but also within organizations. And uh, I mean, given Anoop's background, right? We were like going all the way back to UNICEF and stuff. It's like, I think this would be a cool topic to think about not how COVID is not just affecting our lives to our day-to-day, -day, but it's also like, how is it affecting our organization? Um, and what can we learn from this, right? I think that that was something that we just started kind of rambling the other day. And I thought that's like, well, this is a good, this is a good topic to discuss here. Um, so kind of one of the things that we've seen a lot of data world is that we have all these resources, right? There's all these data resources before starting to go publish. Uh, and, and it happens to be now that COVID is a big topic. Um, people got to go consume this data. And now you have this immediate kind of question is, okay, where does this data come from? Can I trust the data? How do I go use it? Uh, these numbers, where do they come from? Like, what do I mean? And at the end, people are actually going to go make policy decisions. And then suddenly, I mean, at the beginning, a couple of months ago, everybody became an epidemiologist. Or everybody became a data scientist and started writing all these blog posts about this stuff and making for, projections. For better or for worse, right? <laughs> and, and, people are paying, and people are paying attention for better or for worse. And it's like, but what's the implication of that? And, and this is for COVID, and everybody's listening to this, but this exact same issue happens every single day in any organization. It's, I get a, somebody is uh, analyzing some data and they're generating a business report and, 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 and executives are taking decisions based on the data that we, have, we don't know sometimes. So I think that was, for me, it was like, well, now the entire world is doing this. Some, so there's interesting kind of uh, discussions that are going on. Let me just go kind of, Kick that, kick that off now as a discussion. I know, Noob, you have a lot to think to say about that. <laughs> so, so here, here's the deal. I, I, I don't know if you guys have heard this quote, and this quote has been attributed to Mark Twain and you know uh, the British Prime Minister Disraeli. This, so you know, so it goes like numbers tend to beguile me, especially when I put them together. Right. So if I put numbers together, I get super charmed by it. And you know, data governance helps you unravel. You know that that the, the truth behind the numbers now it's easier said than done right and especially as you as you brought up the example of covid there's this whole do i trust the data right so so that you know you know i, I you know you, i've seen this over the years you know teams as, as organizations grow and scale and it's not for any diabolical intent but people tend to live in data silos and when they tend to live in data silos they they tend to spend more time in arbitrating over source of data and quality of data rather than making decisions with data. And what this, what this current situation has shown us is organizations need to speak the same language with data, right? They need to have enterprise data as a second language. And how do they do that? How do they get that trust and transparency with data? Because it's not just existing data that people need to make decisions on. It's going to be 
new data, you know, you'll have to, you know, there is, there is new firm data, there's data about the economy, data about your consumers, data about your partners, data about the ecosystem, all that needs to come together. And I don't think organizations and enterprises can afford to take the time to sit and arbitrate over source and quality because the decision making needs to be able to pivot extremely rapidly. So this, I, I, I do think, you know, this whole thing about my data and, you know, I get beguiled by my own numbers, that needs to go away really quickly and really rapidly for organizations to, to react quickly to situations. So for me, like we think about data governance as being kind of this, uh, uh, I mean, it's like this, this term that, that is so enterprise heavy, but it is when we're thinking about, for example, with COVID data, it does anything that's happening now during this pandemic, people are analyzing data. Are we starting to see people thinking about more governance almost in their like in, in their day to day? let's call it the, the citizen data scientists, right? Are the citizen data scientists starting to think more about adding data governance into their data science? Or is this still kind of like a complete enterprise thing? Uh, yeah. I, I think that's a great question, right? So it depends on the size of the organization and the maturity journey that, you know, that, that they take on. But, you know, this, this data governance, when it tends to get a bad rap, right? I mean, it typically, you know, it gets, gets um, uh, you know you look at data governance more for compliance and regulation and you know but it's you know I, I, you know what I have done in the past in the organizations that I worked with and you know I, I used to advise a lot of workday customers as well is look at it as a part of a larger umbrella which is data enablement right because you know not just data scientists right you don't want your data scientists to look at how to get the data or engineer the data or figure out what the data definitions are and then you know do, write an algorithm only to figure out they've used the wrong source of data or the wrong baseline so so you want to make sure you have a larger data enablement effort which governance is a part of enterprise data as a second language is a part of the catalog that creates trust and transparency is a part of so i i do think having that enablement uh, you know, wrapper around governance to empower organizations with data tends to go, you know, has, has the legs to go the distance. I've seen this in the past. I don't know, Tim and, and Juan, if you guys have, have seen some of your customers take on uh, the whole enablement, uh, you know, approach to create what I call as a trustworthy data supply chain. I think that's definitely the the direction that we see a lot of a lot of our customers and a lot of the market we see going in terms of you know wanting to not think of sort of governance as a police function or think of it as something where it's very top down and I'm sort of waiting for my bread to come from the the data bread line or whatever right um, but at the same time there's there still is a lot of fear right uh, I think that that's one of the the things that makes this scary. I, I know that the other day we were talking uh, about, um, you know, even specifically like uh, like algorithms and bias in algorithms and bias in the data and things like that. I think, you know, when when you start giving people access to data, they start to become worried about things like, oh wait, you know, if a bunch of data citizens or a bunch of people in my broader community are are using the data, you know, what if they interpret it incorrectly? Or what if they, you know, what if somebody starts training a model on this, but they don't understand the data well enough? Um, I think that's one of the, the things that hopefully is 
there's a switch being flipped and, and organizations are starting to realize that, oh, we can't, the answer isn't to just avoid the problem because avoidance seems to be the thing that's uh, been the trend in the past, right? It's like, mm -hmm. well, if we just be very careful about who has access and we be very careful about who uses the data and let's over-document, let's do loads and loads of documentation, then, um, then that's the answer. And I think people are starting to realize now that like, oh, wait a second, like that's very antithetical to this whole self-service analytics thing, to this open so, data thing, to right? So I think, when we talk about governance, and here's here's a here's the, this switch, this flip that I'm seeing, mm -hmm. is governance has this kind of annoying denotation. Ugh, I gotta go do this. Ugh, we gotta. It's it's fear. Ugh, we gotta go do this because we don't want to get fined because we don't have a data leak and all that stuff. Which is, I mean, definitely pains that we want to go. We need to be addressed. But it's kind of nobody's excited about data governance, right? It's not sexy at all. Um, and we were talking to, to one of our colleagues, Stuart, right? It's like, nobody celebrates, oh, the plane didn't crash, right? Nobody does this. Like everybody's like, oh, it's all, we want to go celebrate positive things. Nobody are excited about kind of the annoying things, right? Or like the, 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 like the stuff that we have to deal with day to day. Uh, so, but when you think about it, like from people who are analyzing data and we're taking COVID as an example is they're not thinking with governance kind of with this annoying point of view. Right? They're thinking about, we need governance to make sure that I know where my data comes from because I want to go trust it. Right? Well, you, well, you mentioned Anoop, like you want to have this trustworthy kind of this, uh, 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 data supply chain. Like for you, it's like, I want to think about governance as more of not the, actually not even the annoying thing is like the positive. Like I want to make sure that I, I, have, I govern my data such that all these great things happen. While traditionally in the enterprises, I govern my data such that all these bad things do not happen. And I think governance up to now has been oh, protecting ourselves of fear, let's make sure that this does not happen. But if we look at what's happening on with, with, with kind of COVID and all this data that's out there we're analyzing, we, there's, this, there's, this, there's this switch which is like, wait, let's think about this in the, in, in the positive. So I, I like what you said, Noob, it's like um, enablement, right? Let's do, it's not just data governance, but it's, it's governance for enablement. So let's like kind of stop just the policing part, but let's do something more, let's enable people to go do, uh, do the, the positive things with the data, right? instead of just having to worry about the fear, all the negative things that could happen. Yeah, I think that's, about, that's for me the switch. Yeah, it's not just about um, the defense and the avoiding risk, right? It's about taking a business value perspective and sort of an offense uh, posture, right? Yeah, it's, it's, also, it's almost a cultural shift, you guys. It's how do you foster a culture of growth and innovation with data, right? I mean, you, you guys know this better, better than me that, you know, data has always been at the crossroads of, you know, technology innovation and business transformation, right? Any, many, many organizations, when they look at business transformation, they tend to look at people, process, and technology. And I think that is a little myopic because data needs to have a seat at that table because any business transformation and effort, any technology innovation effort always has data as its core component, right? So, so this whole paradigm shift to look at data as a enabler to innovation and growth tends to take away silos. The other thing which I've done in the past is, you know, data governance organizations, you know, tend to have data stewards and data trustees and depending on levels in the organization, depending on the size of the organization. Uh, but what you also, what I have done in the past is, you know, look at a model of, if you create it, you own it, 
right? Because data quality, right? You know, and you guys have heard the statistic that you know a lot of organizations, you know, I, I think Forrester or Gartner, one of these guys came up with this that they use only one third of the data available to them to make decisions. And then there's another uh, statistic which says that organizations spend 50% of their information management budgets just to manage data quality as a reactive approach, right? So how do you create this model where, you know, you have give people skin in the game, right? You know, this data governance or data enablement or what have you, you create an information management fabric in the enterprise where you say that if you create the data, if you're Mr. Sales and you own the Salesforce environment and you're marketing and you own the campaign management environment, you own the data in there and you're responsible for the quality to the point that, you know, you could even do, uh, you know, I've seen this in the past where, you know, there is no budget specifically set out to manage data quality. Right, it's always done on an exception basis. So, if the, so because you know, data in itself is neither good nor bad. Right, the processes which tend to bastardize the data. So, so when you get ownership into the data and when you get skin into the game, with you know, if you create it, you own it. I've also seen the level of ownership and the level of transparency increase with data. Right, because people are then uh, they everybody in the organization then tends to realize it's a strategic asset rather than just the data team or the IT team. So, so are you, so I want to, I want to follow up on something you said about how do you implement a culture? And from what I heard here, how I'm processing it, it seems that you could either be a, have a centralized approach or a decentralized approach. And in a centralized approach, right, you'll have the, I don't know, the IT is, there's a data governance folks in the IT and they manage all the data goes in, right? Uh, but then in a decentralized approach, you're like, well, you're the marketing department, you're the sales department, like you are responsible of doing, of managing the data governance. And because at the end of the day, you want your data to be used by others. How about you take ownership and you make sure that you produce the best quality data uh, and, and, and if people have questions, they'll, they, they, they know who to go come to because if you're going to talk to the centralized IT folks, they don't know the business, might as well go talk to the business. But if you think about it, I, I, so I'm following up with this, I really like this. So if in a decentralized approach, it's, it's almost, I mean, that's, I mean, tying it back to kind of what we're learning from think, people doing things with COVID data is like, there's no central place that I can go ask about where is this COVID data, where's the, where is the best COVID data, what does this mean? No, there isn't. It's just, well, the New York Times generated this data, right? They get it from somebody. The, 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 the Don Hopkins get this from different places. Like they're the ones in a decentralized manner that need to go able to manage their governance. Yeah, no, this whole church and state, right? I mean, the difference between who owns the data. So, so you know, every time I've run data organizations and I've, I've done it at a few places, and as a CDO, I, I never say I own the data. I chaperone the data. The data is owned by the people who own the business process. And that, to me, always ensures there's higher skin in the game. Right? I, I don't know if you guys saw this a few weeks back, and I was really surprised to see this. CDC put up a job re uh, request, uh, a JD for a data officer. So the CDC did not have a JD. Data officer so far, and they put up a JD what? for a... 
chief data officer, and that JD was extremely well written. It was, you know, how do you get, uh, how do you build trust in data, and everything. We are talking about how do you make sure that the, the use of data is secure and ethical, but how do you make sure you create higher levels of trust and transparency so that the algorithms don't predict a different number every time, right? So it's just fascinating to see how how this this. Uh, you know, what's happening with the data outside is making people reflect on what's happening on the inside with their organizations. I, I, I think we're going through this, you know, super exciting paradigm shift in terms of, uh, you know, how data is going to start getting a seat at the table. Yeah. Well, in that, in that CDC example is a very interesting one because, you know, they, they are probably on the extreme in terms of how challenging it is to manage data quality issues because, you know, the second that a hospital or some institution, you know, throws that data over the fence, now they're having to go and push a separate entity to, hey, please, like the way you've reported this was not the way we expected. Can you, can you help us out here, right? Uh, so, 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 um, do you have a pointer to that CDC? That's a great, that's a great example because this is, I mean, I, I, the CDC is not looking to, to deal with issues of, of regulations and, and of, and of, uh, right. They need to be in this enabling. Right. So I think that, that, that would be interesting to go see kind of what was the, how they described that role, because that would be kind of a, a proxy of kind of way of, of thinking about the role of a chief data officer or, or doing governance in this kind of positive way. Um, that, yeah, I, I need to go, do you, do you have a pointer on that? We can share it on the chat, because that would be super interesting to go to, to dive into that more. And hopefully people on the call here can, can, can share their thoughts later on about how we are seeing uh, the, the, the data governance evolving within an organization. But, so, yeah, but the, you the other thing, Juan, is, well, this thing doesn't get enough uh, attention and love in organizations, in my opinion, is, you know, you'll, there will always be situations where you'll not have 100% of the data, or you will not have 100% of the data trustworthy. But how do you make sure you still have your decision rooted in data? And this is where I think the data organizations can help they should start to look at how do you quantify what is the level of risk with your decision depending on what data is not certified, what data is not sanctioned, what data is not approved, what data quality is not certain, what data lineage is not uh, identified. Because, you know, you know that, that tends to shift, you know, when, when, you know, organizations don't have consistent data available all the time, then they tend to lose faith in data. So if you can quantify, you can have a mechanism to quantify that all decisions will be rooted in data. And even though all the data is not there, there is a way to quantify that risk, right? And I, I do think that will change how people start to look at data quality because you know it's more often than not, it's, it's an afterthought, right? And, and you yeah. know, and you know, and you know, people like, uh, you know, the people who played my roles in organization have spent a lifetime making sure data quality is a forethought rather than an afterthought. But it still is an afterthought in the industry, right? And and so so I, I do think quantification of that risk is super important. You know, just to just to double click on that for a sec, you know, do you see you know um, 
a way to do that in a way that's more proactive? Like, you know, is it, does it have a lot to do with sort of setting up your policies ahead of time? And so that way people are sort of thinking like, oh, these are the standards. This is sort of, there's a framework there. Like, is that, is that a, a big sort of best practice? So, 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 you know, I'll tell you what we did at Workday and VMware and, 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 and GE, right? So you have these proactive data quality scorecards and then you do gamification. It's not, it's, it's more of, I, I'm known organizations which give awards from the CEO to the team that manages their quality the best. I mean, I think Western Digital, or, you know, they, they do that. So the CEO calls them and, you know, in every every quarter they have best data quality and, you know, the HR team or the sales team and they, they their data quality threshold didn't fall below 93% or 96%. Wait, 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 wait. What, how, how, how are they quantifying this? So, 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 you know, so when you look at a data quality scorecard, you look at all the attributes in that element. Okay. So and then you look at thresholds for each of those attributes and then you assign data stewards to look at where the data element lies in terms of that threshold, right? So, you know, for, 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 for teams when, you know, uh, when they do territory and account planning and it happened, you know, three or four times a year, every time they bring in new accounts, the threshold tends to fall till they go fix it. But if you highlight, if you, you know, sh sh you know, stick out a mirror and highlight where the threshold is, and where it was and where it has fallen to everybody in the enterprise, then they become more responsible for it, right? I mean, you're almost shining a light on data quality, right? So I, I think that has worked really well, right? And, and a lot of organizations, at least a lot of, I'm a member of the CDO group in, in, uh, of the Silicon Valley, and a lot of organizations, especially tech organizations, are taking this proactive rather than reactive approach towards data quality. That, that's interesting, that scorecard approach. And I imagine you make that very visible, right? So everybody in the company that wants to see that and, you know, can see it. And that, and I'm guessing that ties back to enablement, right? Because now, you know, you're not waiting for the data producers or the people that you're throwing it over the fence to, to try to move that number. Everybody, everybody can impact that number. Everybody can help, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's, it, you know, it's, 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 it's not shaming, but, you know, you start to give awards to people who manage their data quality the best, and then you show who's not been managing it. It's not shaming, but, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's a word to the wise, right? Yeah. Now, that, that is super interesting. I've never, I've never so, so this, is, this happens a lot, or in your experience, people are seeing some sort of gamification then about dealing with the quality, the governance of data. Yeah. So that, and then, you know, you... And then you can even, you know, take it a step further and, you know, you can look at machine learning models to manage data quality, right? So if you've got a region or a geo yeah. or a set of sales teams who always enter incorrect data, you can start to, you know, predict that, you know, this data coming from this partner or this geo will always have an incorrect, these orders coming from geos, these geo will always be incorrect. So let's parse them and look at that, those for data quality before we pull in that data or let's correct it at the source itself. So you can start to predict where the data quality is happening bad over a period of time. And it all depends on, you know, again, like I said, organization maturity, how long organizations have been in business, how much of data do they have, how diverse their business uh, models are. So, so I mean, look, I, I told you, Noop, that the 30 minutes goes back so quickly, right? We're already up to the time. So just to kind of wrap up here, start to wrap up and, and, and kind of the takeaways, it seems that one of the things, 
traditionally we look at data governance as being kind of this policing of what's annoying. We got to be careful about all our data. But when you look about how we're dealing with data today, post, I mean, during COVID times, it's like, well, we need to do, we need to have governance in a way for it to be enabling, to do enablement, right? I need to be able to go use my data and go trust my data, go do great stuff with my data. Now, if you bring that within the organizations, uh, you, there's a switch, but there's a cultural switch that also needs to occur here. Uh, so how do we implement that culture? And you would, I mean, this, this idea like even gamification, that, that's an interesting approach. Uh, you, you mentioned something interesting there. I want to build quickly about budgets. Like you, you mentioned that there's no global budget to do data quality, right? That's only on the bigger exception. So you're really incentivizing folks to do this, uh, who owns the data. So leads me to the other point is governance should be decentralized and not just have it completely centralized. And that's something that, again, it's, there's no one central place to go get governed uh, COVID data that's be decentralized. Um, anyway, that's, that's my summarization here of, of a conversation here very quickly. What, what else would you, would you all add? Uh, I, I think this is, you know, command and control never works with data. So, you know, my, my, my suggestion to teams and organizations has been it's data is a shared corporate asset. Right, so a federated structure works best, but you still need a CDO organization to chaperone that for the enterprise. Yeah, right? and I, you know it, it is a cultural shift. You you do need to foster growth and innovation, and you know you know at, at some point we can talk about what we've done at Workday in terms of creating an analytics community, right? There's a community approach towards data, right? And it's not just you know a single team that 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 looks at. Uh, uh, you know, everything about quality or, you know, there could be ideas about what to do with analytics and data, which comes from, from the grassroots and other teams, right? And so, so and, and, you know, like I said, you know, uh, you know, we can talk about it another time, but they're just, this is, it, it's just fascinating on how organizations are now doing this leapfrog ahead with creating higher levels of trust and transparency to foster innovation with data. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I, I really like the where we're kind of landing with sort of this grassroots roots approach, proactive approach, transparent approach. And similarly to how this sort of open data community around COVID is having to deal with so much, so much data, so much opportunity and so much inclusion, right? Everybody is now a data sort of citizen and, and a yeah. part of this overall picture. Companies are having to figure out how to do that as well and how to empower their data citizens uh, that work in their company and, and share responsibility and share ownership. Well, Anoop, thank you very much for being here. Uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue the conversation uh, in a bit, but um, again, thanks everybody. This is, uh, this is what I love. I love my, my, my Wednesday stop middle of the week and just have a great conversation about data. So thank you very much Anoop, for being here.